Good morning. I'm so glad we sang that song. I just love that song, Be Thou My Vision. What a great, 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 great song that is. Be Thou My Vision. I love it. I want Christ to be my vision. I want my life to be focused upon Him. Uh, I, I, because if my life is focused on Him, if He's my vision, if He's the one thing I'm now pressing towards, I know I can have success in my life. Our dear friend Jean's going into hospital on Wednesday for cataract operation. Take a cataract away. Uh, we pray for you, Jean, on, on Wednesday. But it'll enable her to see clearly. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every person would have those cataracts removed from their eyes so that they can see him and who he is and that he will truly be the one who is the vision for their life. Amen? just want to say praise God and thank you, God, for delivering little hope this week. You don't know a little girl, 10 years old, coming out of the school behind the book, 11 years old, you heckled me for one year. Thanks. <laughs> it's a big deal when you're 11. Come out from behind the school bus, didn't look, whacked by a car. Over the bonnet, had to be uh, ambulance to hospital. That sounded to me incredibly serious. But by the end of the day, she was home again. Carrying some scars and knocks around, no bones broken. So thank you, God, for her deliverance. Amen. Amen. I want to thank all those people this morning who brought uh, prophetic words and encouragements to us um, with regards to us being a people together because I believe at this time it's really important that we understand that. Dave spoke last week about being better together. What was the phrase? Yeah, four of you listened. <laughs> it's a record that, Dave. <laughs> better together. You know, the Bible starts off by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word God, uh, the, in Hebrew, is Elohim, which grammatically is a plural. It's always put down there in singular form, but grammatically, that is a plural. In other words, in the, in the beginning, God, who is more than one, created the heavens and the earth. And whilst the word Trinity, which we uh, think about and, and believe in, is never mentioned in the Bible, the following 66 books of the Bible go on to describe this God, this God who created the heavens and the earth as this triune being, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, who live together in perfect peace and in perfect love and in perfect harmony together, distinct from one another in their functions but truly one. It's what the theologians refer to as the divine community or the community of heaven. The amazing thing is in John 17, Jesus' prayer is this, Father, as I am in you and you are in me, may they also be in us. And if you're not staggered by that verse, nothing will stagger you. Because God is saying, I want you to be included into the family of the divine community. Isn't that absolutely amazing? I mean, how staggering that God would include me into that. But what we find is that this God, this God of heaven, is a divine community. 
And this God of heaven, this God of heaven says, let us make man, mankind, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That's what God did. And he created us in his image and likeness so we might reflect something of him in the earth. Isn't that right? The answer to that question is yes, yes, you're right. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) And so if God himself is a divine community and he wants us to reflect who he is, then we ourselves must reflect a divine community. We only truly reflect the God of heaven when we reflect it in the sense of being a divine community. A people who are living their new lives in Christ in community. And that's what God has been speaking to us about through all those words this morning. It was amazing. I'm sat there thinking, have they been reading my note? Have they been reading my notes this morning? Because God was speaking about us being together and being united and being part of this people together. That's why we're called the family of God, the people of God, the bride of Christ, the household of faith. We were created for community, not to be a collection of individuals. You ever heard anybody say to you, um, oh, if I was the only one on earth, Jesus would have died just for me. Have you ever said that? You have my permission to slap them. Because that's a hypothetical God who does not exist talking about a hypothetical situation that does not exist. God of heaven is a community who who designed us and created us to be a community. And designed us for community. The Bible knows nothing of solitary saints. Sorry about that. (laughs) Drenched. (laughs) The Bible knows <laughs> the Bible knows nothing of solitary saints or spiritual hermits, isolated from other believers and deprived of fellowship. The Bible knows nothing of that. God created you for community to reflect that divine community. So the next. 242, uh, about the 3,000 who were saved on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says, and 3,000 were added. They weren't appended. They weren't stuck on the outside. They weren't loosely connected. They were added. Literally, if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it said they were baptized into a body. They were baptized. In other words, they were immersed into this body. You weren't sprinkled into the body, a little splash here and there, so that you could pitch up every now and then and occasionally be committed to this, but you were baptized, you were immersed into a body. You can't partially immerse somebody. You can't be partially immersed. You're either immersed or not immersed, and they were immersed, they were added, they were became part of this divine community that is here on heaven, on earth, to reflect the one in heaven. Am I right? Yes, I am right. Oh, shout out. You're right, Jeff. 
Thank you very much. They were devoted. He said that he went on, that they were added. And they devoted themselves to the Apostles' doctrine and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to fellowship. You can't be partially devoted. You ever heard somebody say, oh, they're totally devoted. To be totally devoted, I'm looking at David Ray, my English teacher, is a tautology. The first half is useless. You can't be partially devoted. You're either devoted, I'm devoted to my wife. I am devoted. I'm not partially devoted. I'm not devoted some days, but other days not devoted. I'm totally devoted. I am devoted. <laughs> I am devoted. And I'm devoted to God. Not partially, not sometimes, not occasionally. Oh, today I'll be devoted, but not tomorrow. Today I fancy doing something different than being devoted. I'm devoted to God. Because that's what takes place when you're added into the body of Christ. That's what happens when you're immersed. That's what it means to be community. That we are part of this family. The greatest family on earth. The family of God. The Bible refers to us as members of his body. As those he has put together, joined together, built together, fitted together, were earthed together, were held together. One day we're going to be caught up together and spend eternity together. That's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? We're going to need the grace of God to spend eternity together. You look at me now and say, I don't know what you're talking about. But we're going to spend eternity together. You know why? Because we're part of this divine community of heaven. It's fascinating. You know, in the beginning when God created Adam, uh, the, 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 the relationship between Adam and God was perfect. Sinless perfection. Nothing between them. They were as one. God walking with Adam in the cool of the day, all that kind of stuff. And you think, wow, just God and me. Isn't that wonderful? And God looks and says, it's not good for man to be alone. See, even God himself was not sufficient. God wanted him to be in a community. God does not want you just to be in Christ. But he wants you to be in the community of Christ. We were created to be like him. We were created for community. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. We folks here are a family. And I'm honoured to be part of this family. Well, really, I am honoured. I, 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 Dave Rayner gets up just to do the, to do the tithes and offerings. And I look at him, and, and this is a strange thing for me to say, but I think, I really love that man. I really, really love that man. The old couple, baby. <laughs> I love that man. I look at people. Elaine does it. I love you, Elaine. And, and my group will meet at my house every week. Honestly, they're the best people in the world. We love them to bits. We really love them to bits in the sense of being together and family and sharing life together. It's just wonderful. It's glorious. 
I think this is the best family on earth. I really do. And I love this family. And I believe that I am a gift to this family. I, Jeff Grice, am a gift to you. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you keep the receipt? <laughs> <laughs> dear, oh dear. Sorry, stopping at your old jokes. I am a gift to this family. And you know what? You are too. You are too. You are a gift. You are a gift to this family. We're, we all have different gifts, different talents, different abilities. And every one of those things is to be used for the benefit of the whole family of believers who are here. The only lack that we have is when you withhold your gift from us. Hello? Can I just say that again? The only lack that we have is when you withhold what you've got from us. Because God has given every one of us something and it's for our common good. And you cannot hold back because if you hold back on what God has given you, we are deprived by you. You're robbing me of what God has given you. Listen, you're robbing me. Stop it. See, we need you not just for what you can do, but we need you for who you are. I love this church. It's full of people who make great sermon illustrations. Normally funny ones. But, but you as a person are a gift to us. You as a person. Not just what you do, but you. The most wonderful thing that you have is you. Your presence, your encouragement, your friendship, your support, your smile, your wisdom, your serving, your comfort. That's what you are. That's what God has given you for the benefit of us all. And when you withhold it, we all lack. God has invested into you gifts and abilities which are for the good of us all. And to, for you to withhold what God has given you diminishes us all. Here's a gift. It's like the Amazon driver. He goes to the depot and he gets, here's all the stuff. Put it in your van. And you expect him to deliver it to your house. And normally, not always, but normally he does. See, if the Amazon driver had the stuff but thought, I'm going to keep that for myself, I think you would be a bit razzed off. Do you know God's given you stuff and all you are is the Amazon delivery driver for me? Don't you dare keep the stuff on your van. It was meant for us. Hello? It was meant for us. When you hold back, we are deprived of that which God gave you for us. There's a, a, a great verse in a great verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. Can you stick that up, please? Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verses 9 through to 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. This is the New Living Translation. We said this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. 
If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So you've all heard that passage of scripture read before. I'm pretty sure most of the time you'll have heard it at a marriage ceremony. Talking about marriage, this passage of scripture has nothing to do with marriage. It's nothing to do with marriage. It's in the context of a man who lives alone without son or brothers. That's what it's about. It's not about marriage. It works well talking about marriage like that. But, you know, keeping each other warm. I keep my wife's hands warm at night. I, I am convinced she sticks them in the freezer for an hour before she goes to bed. God bless her. <laughs> but that's not what it's about. It's not about marriage. It's not about that relationship. It's about living together. Together. About people are better, as Dave said last week, better together. In these three verses, there's four statements of truth. Let me pick upon them quickly, if I may. I say if I may, I'm going to pick up on them anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I say that, really. Verse 1 says, two people are better off than one because they can help each other succeed. They can help each other succeed, other versions might say, or they get a good return for their toil. It's talking about there being a synergy and a strength of being yoked with other people. You know, the, the dray horse apparently can pull about eight tons, but two dray horses together can pull something like 30 tons. Together, we can do far more than we can individually. I can do good things. I want you to know, Jeff Christ, I can do some good things. Yes, you can, Jeff. I can do some good things. I really can do some good stuff. But you know what? We can do some great stuff. When we're together, we can do great stuff. When we're together, we can accomplish some great things. When we're alone and isolated, we'll do some stuff, but it's not the best of what God can get from us. That's why our relationship with Kerry, the apostle that we work with in our related churches around the country and the world, that's why that's so powerful, because together we can touch the world and are doing. This little bunch of people here touching the world. We're like 40,000 people we've seen born again in Cuba. In India, masses of people coming to Christ across the globe. Amazing things taking place. Why? Because we're yoked together with others. And that which takes place on a world scale will also take place here locally. We're better together when we're yoked together and we can help each other succeed. I love that. Helping each other succeed. Not that I might succeed, but that we might succeed. Great example is David and Jonathan in the Bible. That lovely story of those two men. Jonathan was the son of the king. 
He was the rightful earth to be the king, to be the next king. But he looks at his friend, he looks at his brother, his covenant brother, Jonathan, and he says to him, you will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Jonathan's greatest desire was to see David, his covenant brother, succeed beyond himself. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm blessed to be among a people who want me to succeed. I, I love that. People who want me to succeed. That want me to succeed. I'm amazed that they want me to succeed. And that when I do succeed, they're not threatened. I love that picture. You might not have ever seen it. It's a, it's a, it's a gate post by a field. Just a gate post. And um, on top of the gatepost, there's a, there's a turtle. Like that, on the top of this, on the top of this gatepost. I, I love the picture, because we all know he didn't get there by himself. Somebody had to help him get up there. And he has no idea what he's doing now he is up there. I sometimes feel like that. I know that I didn't get to where I am in God. Not that I feel I'm any kind of big yahoo. Please understand. But I am what I am because I stand on the shoulders of giants. People who I've walked with for years. Who've encouraged me and helped me and supported me. See, we become what we become because we're better together. We're better together. Alone I can do good things. With you guys, I can do great things. God, please, may we be a community of people who want each other to succeed. That, Lord, we become cheerleaders for one another. In Jesus' name. We want you to succeed. We want you to rise higher, to go further, to, because when you succeed, we succeed. When you succeed, we succeed. When you do well, we do well. When you rise, we rise. Your victories are our victories. And when you hold back, we're held back. Two are better than one, because they can help each other succeed. Number two, two people are better off than one because if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. When you're alone, you're at your most vulnerable. You're more likely to fall. You're more likely to yield to temptation. The Bible tells us that the devil goes around like a roaring lion. And we know what the roaring lions do out in Africa. They look for the one who is alone to cut them off. They don't go after the pack. They go after the individual one. When you're alone, you're at your most vulnerable. God never designed you to be alone, but in community, in the pack, as it were. The writer of this book, Ecclesiastes, uh, believed to be King Solomon and towards the end of his life he was supposedly the wisest man who ever lived he never met Jesus of course but he was supposed to be the wisest man who ever lived and he was a king he was above reproach he was a law unto himself he was answerable to no one and he was isolated he was alone and alone he gave himself over 
to a hedonistic lifestyle in pursuit of worldly pleasures. He was alone. The Bible tells us he had 700 concubines and 300 wives. David says, I couldn't call me one. <laughs> 700 concubines. 300. I just think that is awful. I think that's horrible. I think that's I think it's awful because those women were simply sex objects to him. And any time of relationship he had with them was never birthed out of love and intimacy, but just out of lust and sex. And I think it's horrible because the act of sex, the accident, that act, act should be birthed out of intimacy. That's, you look at all the young people today on the one night stands and all that kind of thing, and you think, how dreadful, how awful. The, a girl or, would give herself as a sacrifice on the altar of sex and lust, not in intimacy and commitment. I, I, I just find that horrible beyond words. Horrible beyond words. And here's this man, supposedly the wisest man ever, alone, and in being alone, he goes down that deep into that hedonistic lifestyle in which he, he, he lives. And towards the end of his life, he realises his own folly and speaks here of the dangers of being alone. Two are better than one, because if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. It was when John the Baptist was alone in that prison cell, he began to doubt whether Jesus was the Messiah. It was when Peter was alone, he denied Christ. It was when David should have gone with his, his army out to battle and he stayed home alone. Instead of going out to battle. And he's staying home alone. He went up on the roof alone and saw a beautiful woman bathing and fell into sin. It was not for intimacy. It was for sex of itself. When we leave those things, when we lose that vision of Christ, when we lose that which we were born for, we find ourselves in situations that we have no grace for. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Sometimes we're in trouble just because we're doing the right thing. Anybody found that? Somebody told me that the first sign of being baptised in the Spirit was speaking in tongues. I found the first sign of being <laughs> baptised in the Spirit was trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, John? <laughs> Suddenly, the furious storm. You thought, this is going to be great. Won't they be pleased? No, they weren't. The Apostle Paul is in Damascus comes to Christ, preaching the gospel passionately, and the Jews in the city 
said, we're going to take a vow, we're, we're going to not let him out of the city, we're going to kill him. And he learns about it. And he has to escape from the city, but they put guards on all the exits. But he had people who loved him. And they got a rope. And they lowered him out of the city. And you need people in this life who will hold the rope for you. Because if you don't, and you're alone, you are in danger. Have you got people who will hold the rope for you? See, David, uh, Saul has somebody who would hold the rope for him. David didn't only need a Jonathan, who was his covenant brother, by the way. David also needed a man called Nathan, who is a prophet. Nathan the prophet came, comes to... Uh, comes to David after he's sinned and the prophet comes and brings the word of God to him and says, you're out of line. What you're doing is wrong. He said it in a nicer way than that, but down to, the bottom line was the prophet came and spoke to him about what he was doing. Do you know what? You need Nathans in your life. You need people who will come and tell you when you're out of line. You need people who come and tell you when you're missing it. You need people who come and tell you when you're cutting, you're losing your cutting edge. You need people who can come and, and bring the word of God to you when you're getting slack and drifting away. We don't need people who come and say nice things to us. We need the prophets who come and say the real things to us. The things that we need to hear. God deliver us from nice Christians who do not bring the word of God to you. when, Or people who will call you your friends and not tell you when you're missing it. Because I don't believe such people ultimately are your friends. You need people who bring you the word of God. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Every believer needs a Nathan. Every believer needs some people who hold rope for them. I'm zooming now. Two people are better than one. Point three. Two people are better than one because two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? You know, we all go through... Has anybody noticed this? We go through tough times in life. Of course we do. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. We can be hurting. We can be struggling. The dark clouds gather and the world can somehow seem difficult and cold. And such times we need someone to come alongside us. We need somebody to put their arm, show, uh, their arm around our shoulders. Someone to lean on. A listening gear. A compassionate heart. Those who will keep us warm when life seems cold. The Bible tells us of David that he took his armour off in the presence of Jonathan. I love that little phrase. David took his armor off in the presence of Jonathan. We need people with us, with whom we can, whom? Whom? Is that right? Whom? With whom? Thank you, David. I'm speaking in New Living Translation as well. <laughs> we need people with us, with whom we can take our armor off. It won't be everybody. Please believe me. It won't be everybody, but everybody needs one or two people with whom they can take their armour off and just be real. Or you can be vulnerable. 
We don't always need someone to come <laughs> and quote Bible verses on us. You have had a tough time, you're going through it, and all you want is someone who can put their arm around you and say, Ah, oh, you know, bless you. You know, I'm with you, I love you, I'm for you. That's all you want. That's all you want. And they come and hit you with their Bible verse. Get the six feet out. <coughs> Got you with my Bible verse. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes all I want is somebody to come and love me and listen to me and talk with me, put their arm around me and love me and encourage me and stand with me. <coughs> when Jesus saw the multitude, you know, the hurting and the sick and the dying, like sheep without a shepherd, he didn't quote Bible verses on them but he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. We need people who will keep us warm. I ask you a question now. Who, who is there who keeps you burning bright? Who is it who warms you? Who is it that challenges you about your effectiveness? Who is it tells you when you're missing it? Who is it who tells you when you're losing your cutting edge? Who is it who tells you or you're just on the edges, you're drifting, you're no longer added and devoted, you're just meandering away? Who tells you your cutting edge needs sharpening? Seriously, who? So you cannot be kept warm by the God Chapel. You cannot be kept warm by occasional visit to Twitter or Facebook. Near where we live, Debbie, there's a chippy, filed old chippy, recommended. Good chippy. Eat in, take away. In the eating part, there's all the tables there, and a big TV screen on the wall with a fire on just a blazing fire, a lovely blazing hearth and a lovely fire. You go in there, I want you to know I cannot be kept warm by the fire on the chippy wall. And I cannot be kept warm by the God channel. And I cannot be kept warm by, by YouTube or, or whatever else it might be. I need people. I need a community of God's people. We need to be together with the body. We all need a Jonathan in whom we can confide. We all need a Nathan who will bring us the word of correction. We all need a Barnabas to encourage us and to restore us. We all need friends who will hold the rope for us. We all need community. We need to be together. We all need those who will keep us warm. The first question ever asked of God in the Bible was asked by a murderer called Cain, who said, Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Please do not think that the pastors or the elders or the connect group leaders will do it all. They won't. You are responsible as your part of the body. Yes, yes. Alright, quickly, lastly, two people are better than one because a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. It's wonderful to know that people got my back. Rather than talking behind your back, there's people who will stand back to back with you, fighting for you, protecting you, guarding you, because they stand with you back to back so that you might conquer and be victorious. 
You know, when we read about the arm of God in Ephesians chapter 6, the arm of God makes no provision for your back. Only for the breastplate and the shield and the sword and the helmet. Nothing for the back. You know why? Because there's no expectation that you will be attacked from the back. The tragedy is that the church has had a reputation of being the only army who kill their wounded brothers. That's not what God ever intended. The arm of God has no provision for our backs because there's no expectation that I will be attacked by my brother or by my sister in Christ. But sadly, tragically, we hear of Christian brothers and sisters attacking one another, not with swords or spears, but with words and with gossip and innuendo. I want you to know that's never to be heard in this house with the people of God. We're part of the divine community. I was in a meeting many years ago with Kerry, a large meeting. Kerry was uh, hosting this meeting and a particular man from out of the UK was a guest speaker and he was just talking about some stuff and he happened to mention another ministry out in America and he began to speak negatively. He was making a negative con- comment about him. Do you remember this, John? I think you were there. And Kerry said, stop, we don't talk negatively about people in this house. Do you remember? Do you know what? When you don't stop somebody speaking negatively, you become party to their sin. Don't listen. Stop them. Don't listen. Stop them. We, we need to say to, to, to people as it is, you know. We need to. People's reputations is demolish with words. And when you allow it to be said without challenge, you become party to their sin. I want you to know, as far as I'm concerned, I've got your back. And I'm not going to talk negatively about you. And I, better know, and I hope you never talk negatively about me. Or if you do, I hope somebody will come along and say something to you. I want to stop. We need to stop. Uh, Two are better than one. And a three-standing cord cannot be broken. Two are better than one. Three are better than two. Four are better than three. Five are better than four. And so it goes. John, you can do this better than me. Math teacher. We're better together. We're family. We're the community of God. With a community of God. 